Am I on now? Okay, good. One of my favorite parts of doing a seminar is the Q&A time. So I would love for you, whenever I'm at a conference, I always like to ask the speaker a question, but I'm too intimidated to do so, to go up and ask her. So um, I just would love to interact with you all. And if you have a question about anything, it doesn't have to be about what I've been speaking on. Uh, I would just love to see if I can answer it. I don't know all the answers, but I'd love to just be for us to have some time together like this. So I'll bring you the mic. Okay, Sandy. I, I, I'm sorry. I, okay, is it on? Is it on? Is it on? Oh. <laughs> um, do you have a, have you written a book that is reflective of what you're talking about this weekend? Yes, the one I've been reading from, is that what you're asking? Yes, yes. It's, I love the title. It's Maybe God is Right After All. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it too. Thank you. <laughs> okay, thanks. As someone said, it's an old book I wrote, and it wasn't a bestseller, but it's, it's a, I, I liked it. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. You quoted C.S. Lewis in your most recent talk. Yes. Where, where is that written, what he said? Oh, well, I, I don't know. It, that was from a prayer letter someone sent. But I'm sure if you just looked under any, I have a whole uh, book of quotations by C.S. Lewis. And if you looked under prayer, it will probably be there. Okay, thank you. And some of what I read was from the author of that prayer letter. He was quoting C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis said a bunch of it, but it wasn't all. But he, he does talk about God vetoing our prayers. That is C.S. Lewis. It's good. Yeah. We can probably go online and Google it and find out so what book it was in. Good questions. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Steve is taking taping it. Yes. How did they get? Uh, Download it on the church app. Talk to Steve after the okay. seminar. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I, th- I think he's... Are you making CDs or not? He's making a CD. So, anyways, see Steve. Thank you. Thank you, Maria, for wanting that. Thank you. Over here, Cynthia. Yes. Hi. We know that God is a healing God, and it was included in the cross. And I know God has healed me and probably several of you at times. But the question always comes up is, why didn't he heal me when someone's talking to me? Why can't God heal me? He healed you. And I'm not sure how to answer that. Do you mean heal physically? Yes. Yes. I think we know I would... some are not healed. Yes. Right. And I don't have the answer to that. Right. I didn't know if you had an answer. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know why. But I, I fall back on Romans 8.33, I think. <clears throat> Who can know the mind of the Lord? 
Right. And he, again, it goes back to that thorn in the flesh. Paul asked to be healed, but God said no, because he wanted that was going to serve a purpose in his life. And so you have to fall back. I mean, that's what I love. We've been singing all day is trust and obey. We either trust God or we don't. Either he knows what's best for us or he doesn't. And some, sometimes having not being healed is his will for us. It, it's hard to understand, but it's his, it's his right. deal. I mean, he created us. Our, the days of our life are written in his book. Uh, he has his plan is to make us like Jesus. And if right. he can use a, a thorn in our flesh or a physical ailment right. to make us more like him, he will do it. Someone once challenged me that before you ask for healing, ask God if there's anything in your life hindering him from having his way. Right. And that's challenging. That's great. Yeah. That's challenging. Uh, That I heard this. um, There's a sickness unto death there. I mean, we were, we're going to have physical sickness that will cause our death there's a sickness unto chastisement which is what you're referring to that sometimes and you all this is scary for me i don't i don't mean to get into any theology but sometimes it's like the thorn in the flesh so sometimes god will send something in our life trying to get our attention which is what you just said that someone said god is there something <laughs> in my life that you're trying to to tell me and then there's a chick a sickness unto the glory of god and sometimes we have to go through hard physical times to give god glory so i i thought those are three really good explanations for physical um for death for chastisement and for the glory of God. And so it was Hudson Taylor that said, God, if you can receive glory through this trial, then so be it. Good question. Thank you. Yes, Ida. Is it? Is it? Sorry, the question is: It possible to get very, very, very close to God? And every time she seems to get close, he moves away <laughs> and wants her to come closer. <laughs> I think that's great. Uh, do you have an example? When I'm praying. When you're praying. When I'm praying, I always. Pray. Here, 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 here. Always pray that His will would be done in my life, and. Um, that what I'm praying, it would be pleasing to him, to come up to be pleasing to him. But as I said before, um, seems like the, the more I do and try to get that close to him, he's always moving back, and I'm always trying to get that close. Or is it possible? Well, I think anything is possible with God. I, I think that's a scripture. <laughs> um, I... I, you know, and I didn't mention this in our 
little session on prayer that the Holy Spirit in Romans 8 takes our prayers and intercedes for us to make our prayers really he sees our heart and knows and he can in a sense correct our prayers if need be but you know what I'm thinking of Ida and I'm not sure this addresses your question but of Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane when he was praying for God if possible to take away the cross to take away the cup and you all let me just say he was not praying to escape physical pain because thousands of people were crucified Uh, tradition has it that Peter's wife was crucified so when Jesus was praying that the cup would be taken away from him was two things one he had never ever been separated from his father and two he had never known sin and those things were just overwhelming to him but he prayed nevertheless not my will but thine be done and again God said no to Jesus I I cannot take this cup away from you so I don't know how you're defining is it a feeling of closeness but I think sometimes um is that what you're talking about feeling Yeah. Well, I I don't know that we can always rely on our feelings. I I like what there was a T-shirt I saw one time that said, when God seems far away, guess who moved? And uh, that God never leaves us or forsakes us. But sometimes when God is silent, it doesn't mean he's absent. And we just have to learn to trust God that he, and he may be calling us. There are times, there was a time in my life, I was going through a hard time, and I felt like my back was up against the wall, and, and God said, Cynthia, do you trust me? And so this was my answer. I said, yes, God, I trust you if you'll tell me how it's going to turn out. <laughs> and, and he said, that is not trust. And so sometimes God will... He, I, I, well, I like, again, C.S. Lewis said in the Tales of Narnia, uh, Lucy was asking the Mr. and Mrs. Beaver, is, is God good? And they said, yes, God is good, but he's not safe. You never know what he's going to do. And so sometimes if it feels like he's withdrawn from us, it doesn't mean he has, but it's, it's for a purpose. And, and trust is trusting with nothing to depend on, in a sense. And, and what he wants is to, us to trust him more than anything. So I, I, don't, I don't know. That's a good question. Couldn't answer it very well. But um, all I know is he loves us with an everlasting love. And he never leaves us or forsakes us. So in those times, I just have to hang on to the word of God. And know that he is with me, whether I feel him or not. And I can have times, um, Oswald Chambers talks about times on the mount and then times in the valley. (laughs) And we have those times with God. So, anyway, good question though, hon. Thank you. I'm watching the time. Yes.
All right, yeah, yeah, uh, here. Looking back on your ministry. Yeah, here, I start again. How, how would you prepare to do women's ministry? Looking back on, on your life and ministry, what advice would you give to people who want to serve the Lord in this way? To women? Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, like I said, I've never really wanted to minister to women. <laughs> you all, I am. I'm very, uh, I'd much rather stay home and drink tea and, and read the Bible and Jane Austen. So, uh, well, let me tell you, Diane, what I will, this is what I would say. When, in July of 1965, when I surrendered my life to God, and what, what he did was, um, and I've told this story before, so I'm not going to go into it, but he told me to give him the steering wheel of my life. And I did. And I wrote about it later on, and I phrased it in the way of uh, that God held out his hand to me and I placed my hand in his, and he began to lead me where I should go. It's, I think I talk about this in a minute, Psalm 23. He leads me on the path that brings honor to his name. And so I feel like it's keeping your hand in his is what I call it. It's called abiding scripturally. But so I would say this. The best thing, and I'm going to talk about this in a minute, is sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to his words with an obedient heart and keeping your hand in his. It's abiding. As long as you're abiding, and he, then he's going to lead you, and I'm, I'll mention this too. He's going to lead you on the path that you should go. So I never, ever thought about writing. I didn't even like to write. I never thought about Speaking, it, it, I mean, for 27 years, I raised our four kids, and it never crossed my mind. I was looking forward again to having tea at 4 o'clock every afternoon and reading. <laughs> and so you prepare for anything God wants you to do by abiding in Christ, by keeping your hand in his. And you don't know what he wants you to do. He may want you to stay home and take care of your invalid mother. Or he may want you to be head of a women's ministry. Or he may want you to go into the workforce and be light and salt. I don't ever want to presume on what God's will for me is. So the best preparation I can do for any job that he has for me or any purpose he has for me is to have a deep abiding walk with God and let him lead and guide me where he wants me to go. I'm, I'm serious. Uh, the best thing you can do for yourself is to abide in Christ. The best thing you can do for your husband is to abide in Christ. The best thing you can do for your friends is to abide in Christ. The best thing you can do for your church is to abide in Christ. It's John fifteen five. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you abide in me and I in you, you bear much fruit, which is what we're talking about today. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and faith, uh, self-control. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And so if I'm abiding, keeping my hand in his, 
sitting at his feet, listening to his words, then he is able then to prepare me and use me how he wants and where he wants. And he does that. I wouldn't be here if he didn't do that. He has led me here. (laughs) So does that help? Good, good, good. Okay, if that's 15 minutes, that was great, huh? (laughs) Okay, um, I've got this thing I've got to share with you all. I think you'll like it. I know many of you are not even thinking about retiring, but I've got some places for you to think about. Uh, I can't imagine this. I can't imagine anyone retiring to Minnesota, but here's what you get. (laughs) You can retire to Minnesota where you only have three spices, salt, pepper, and ketchup. (laughs) This is my favorite. Or you can, you can retire to Minnesota where Halloween costumes have to fit over parkas. <laughs> Isn't that great? You have 17 recipes for casserole. And there are four seasons, almost winter, winter, still winter, and road repair. <laughs> or you can retire to the Deep South where you can rent a movie and buy bait at the same store. Y'all is singular, and all y'all is plural. (laughs) You can say anything about anyone as long as you say, bless her heart. (laughs) You can retire to Florida, where you eat dinner at 3.15 in the afternoon. Everyone can recommend a cardiologist, a dermatologist, a proctologist, a podiatrist, or an orthopedist. Cars in front of you often appear to be driven by headless people. (laughs) Or you can retire to Arizona, where you're willing to park three blocks away from your house because you found shade. (laughs) You have over 100 coupons for Mexican restaurants. And you know that dry heat is comparable to what hits you in the face when you open your oven door at 350 degrees. (laughs) Or you can retire to California. You'll love this. You make over $450,000 and you still can't afford a house. (laughs) You know how to eat an artichoke. When someone asks you how far something is, you tell them how long it takes to get there. The four seasons are fire, flood, mud, and drought. (laughs) And this is the best. The fastest part of your commute is going down your driveway. (laughs) Oh, y'all, it's been so fun to be with you all. But what a treat. This is a great church. They love to eat. And they love the word of God. And uh, thank you all for coming. And thanks all of the women who've made this possible. Thank you for a wonderful, wonderful time. It's just been great. And thank each of you for taking your time to come. It's just been a delight to meet you and be a small part of your life this past few hours. So thank you so, so much. Let's pray. Father, you are indeed good. 
and we praise you for that. I still just uh, am humbled by how much you love us and how you work in our lives and how you know what's best for us, Lord, and how you know how many hairs we have on our head and how much you care for us for every detail of our life. Um, You are an awesome God, Lord, and it's an honor to be in the process of learning and to trust and obey you. So I pray, Lord, that again, you would take your word and pierce our hearts and teach us and draw us closer to yourself and transform us more into the image of Christ. Lord, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, Romans 8, 29, God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. He decided from the outset to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of his son. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. You all, this is a yoke. And you put your head in one side. And if you're yoked to Jesus, he's in the other side. That's, that's what he's talking about. And so you have very close fellowship. If you take his yoke, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Let me teach you, for I'm humble and gentle at heart. And so he uses the image of the yoke for us to see. I mean, it's a great, another uh, image of abiding, of staying close to Jesus, of keeping your hand in his, or like a branch into the vine. If we're yoked, I mean, we're right there. (laughs) You're right there with Jesus. And so I think this is one of the best ways I want to leave you with this thought of, Becoming like Jesus, living like Jesus, loving like Jesus, praying like Jesus. How else can we learn those things except if we're with him? John Phillips, what an amazing invitation and how few there are who respond. What greater privilege could there be in all this world than to be yoked to Christ, to be shoulder to shoulder with him, to take each step with him? So the yoke shows a dependence, an intimacy, and it shows a self-denial. Because once we're yoked to Jesus, we're not in control. We have to die to ourselves. Being yoked to Jesus is the best way of becoming like him. Oswald Chambers, in our Lord's life, there was none of the press and rush of tremendous activity that we regard so highly. And the disciple is to be as his master. The central thing about the kingdom of Jesus Christ is a personal relationship to himself, not public usefulness to men. 
and, and this sort of addresses your question, Diane. It's, it's not so much what we do, it's who we are. And God prizes our relationship to him more than the busy rush of activity. He wants to pace our life. He wants to guide us. He wants to lead us in the way that we should go. Andrew Murray said, Meekness and lowliness of heart are the chief marks by which they who follow the Lamb of God are to be known. I heard this great story. It was just about three years ago. A high school, a Christian high school here in California had their baccalaureate service. And the administration told the senior class that they could choose whoever they wanted to to speak at their baccalaureate. And so do you know who they chose? They chose the janitor of their high school. I just thought that is the most precious story because I think this janitor was gentle and humble at heart and the students loved him for that. And so that's, that's what we're talking about. He lived like Jesus and the students could see it and they wanted him to be part of their lives. Matthew Henry, the only way and a sure way to find rest for your souls is to sit at Christ's feet and hear his word. So when we're yoked to Jesus, we're yoked to the word because Jesus is the word. In the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was, was, it was with God and the word was God. So this is something we need to realize. He's the living word that we're yoked to. I mentioned 2 Timothy 3.16 earlier. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. This is the power of scripture. I read that about the sword of the spirit, that it has power to divide our thoughts and intentions of our heart. And it's... uh, when we're yoked to Jesus, then we're yoked to the living word that can transform us, correct us, and teach us to do what is right. Early in my Christian life, the dear woman who mentored me, just, I remember, even though it was like over 50 years ago, she held up the Bible and she said, Cynthia, you need to read through this book every year. I think I was 24 at the time. And so I didn't know anything. And I mean, I just loved Mary and whatever she told me to do, I would do. And so I said, okay. And she encouraged me to get a Bible reading plan. I did. And I started reading through the Bible every year. And it wasn't until Years later, I realized that not every Christian reads through the Bible every year. (laughs) Um, I I remember what someone said, what are you going to do when you get to heaven and Obadiah comes up to you and says, how did you like my book? (laughs) 
So the word of God needs to be a precious part of our life. And all scripture, all scripture, Leviticus is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, reproofing, for correction and training in righteousness. So we've got to, to love the word. And if we're yoked to Jesus, we, we are. We're yoked also to the word. A great man of the word and of prayer was George Mueller, who lived from 1805 to 1898. He was a great man of faith. Uh, he was a pastor and director of, the, of orphan houses in Bristol, England. He cared for over 10,000 orphans and never asked for money. And even as a pastor, he didn't ask for money. He just trusted God to provide for him and to provide for these orphans. It's a great story. He read his Bible from end to end almost 200 times. <clears throat> he prayed in millions of dollars for the orphans and never asked anyone directly for money. He never took a salary in the last 68 years of his ministry, but trusted God to put in people's hearts to send him what he needed. He never took out a loan or went into debt, and neither he nor the orphans were ever hungry. So let's see what kind of motivated this man. <clears throat> These are his words. As the outward man is not fit for work for any length of time, except we take food, and as this is one of the first things we do in the morning, so it should be with the inner man. Now, what is the food for the inner man? Not prayer, but the word of God. And here again, not the simple reading of the word of God, but considering what we read, pondering over it, and applying it to our hearts. I, I like this next thought. He said, if the first thing is not to pray, but to hearken, which means give heed, this surely is hearkening for God to speak to us that we may know how to speak to him. So every day when I read the word, again, my definition is to sit at the feet of Jesus, listening to his words with a heart to obey. I, I, Lord, t show me in your word what you're trying to, to teach me, what I need to change, what I need to obey. And so I, I pray... I, I come with that attitude to the word of God. I pray coming to hearken. I like that. It's an old, old word. But it, again, it means to, I really want to embrace your word and make it part of my life. One of the things I've done to hearken to the word of God is I ask God to give me a verse a year to meditate on. And last year it was 1 John 2, 6. Those who say they live in God should live as Jesus lived. And so as a result of trying to pray over that verse all year last year, I'm giving these thoughts uh, over this weekend. Uh, just asking God to make the, his word part of my life and that it, I can truly hearken to what his word has said. And, and the wonderful thing about Mueller is that 
his thought is, and we just talked a little bit about this at lunch. When we, this is what he's saying here. When we listen to God through his word, then we know how to speak to him. And he, he tells the story that he used to get up and start praying every morning and his mind would wonder and he wouldn't get anything done and he felt like it was useless. But once he started reading the word of God first, then his prayer life began to really take off. Because and what we don't understand, you all, this is God's word. And if prayer is a conversation, then... God needs to be the one who speaks. <laughs> Most, I want him to dominate the conversation. So when we're reading the word of God to hearken to it, to take heed to it, to make it part of our lives, that is, as far as I'm concerned, that is prayer. It's the best part of prayer. It's God speaking to me. And, and the, again, the wonderful thing is Mueller says, once God speaks to us, then our prayers become different. We can, again, pray scripture back to him. A lot of times what I, what I read, I, I, I pray that back to God. God, make this part of my life. And it, it, it works. It, that's all I can say. George Mueller, if the first, all right, the vigor of our spiritual life will be an exact proportion to the place held by the Bible in our life and thoughts. I read somewhere, we probably never leave the house without our cell phone. But do we ever leave the house without the Bible? And of course, I've had People tell me, and that's true, I've got the Bible on my cell phone. That, and and that's, that's a good way to do it. But the, the point is, how important is the Bible to you? That you would never go anywhere without it. It's not that, again, you have to always physically, but you can have it in your heart even. But it's just so important how, what is the priority in your life? What is it that you, that you treasure more than anything else? And so I can be as much like Jesus as I prize and honor the word of God in my life. Again, Mueller, in no situation, no business will be given to me by God in which I have not time enough to care about my soul. Andrew Murray, dear child of God, let us never say, I have no time for God. Let the Holy Spirit teach us that the most important, the most blessed, the most profitable time of the whole day is the time we spend alone with God. Whatever else is left undone, God has the first and chief right to my time. Do you all believe that? God has the first and chief right to my time. But let me just say, sometimes 
morning is the best time to spend with God, but sometimes we get busy. I like what someone said. My children work, wake up at the first crack of the Bible. <laughs> but I want you to know, sometimes my mornings get away from me. But I'm always taking my Bible with me. I never know when I'm going to need it or use it. And even if I'm out running errands or later in the day, I find time to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to his word every day. Um, I can never say I have no time for God. And we can't tell God when we meet him, well, she, you gave her more hours in the day than you gave me. It's just a matter of how much I love God and how much I love his word and how much I want him to make me like his son. I just jotted down some blessings of being yoked to the Lord. One, we know his voice. He sets the pace. He teaches. He bears our burdens. He gives peace and rest. He never leaves or forsakes us. He guides and chooses for us. This is what we get when we're yoked to Jesus. When we surrender our life to him and say, God, it's your life. It's not my life. And if it pleases you for me to circle Philadelphia, it pleases me. I'm in the yoke with you. And whatever you want in my life, that's what I want. Because I am yoked to Jesus, and this is kind of what we were talking about in the Q&A, he is the one who guides me on the path that he wants for me. I mean, if I'm yoked to Jesus, I don't have a choice of where I'm going. Psalm 32, 8, the Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. This is a promise from God so that we never have to question God in what's going on in my life. I mean, sometimes I, I let go of his hand and I go off on my own path. And so that's a good time to ask the question, Lord, am I out of your will? Am I, are you trying to get my attention? And he will do that. He loves us enough to do that. And I, I have told God as, as much as possible, I want to be in the center of your will for the rest of my life. Because anytime out of his will, I, it doesn't work. And so I want to keep my hand in his. I want to love his word. I want to stay yoked to him. And so I just have some guidelines about letting God choose for us. If we're getting in the yoke, then this is what we need to be conscious of. You know, I did this. Oh, here we go. Guidelines for letting God choose. First of all, anytime you're faced with a decision, you pray for God's direction. So if you're in the yoke, you just turn over to Jesus. Is this what you want us? Is this the direction you want us to go? You always pray first. 
And I have down here, never accept anything immediately. If someone calls you on the phone and says, will you bake 12 dozen cookies? Or will you be on the women's committee for the retreat? Or whatever you've been asked to do that's extracurricular, you need to pray about it first. And you don't ever accept immediately. I, there have been times, I mean, I love to accept immediately because it's usually something I want to do. I, I would love to be part of that, yes. But what happens, I'll commit myself and then find out it doesn't work. I, 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 whenever I'm out of the will of God, that's when I experience stress. If I haven't prayed about it and I haven't gotten God's, okay, this is the way you walk in it, then i We need to be very, very careful. Elizabeth Fry prayed, Oh, Lord, may I be directed what to do and what to leave undone. And as I, over the years, as I've learned about this, I've learned not to try to make things work or try to rationalize that, well, but God, this is, this, this will be serving you, and I'll be around these people, and this will be good. It'll be good for me. But if, if you, sometimes if you start debating with God, then it's probably not his will. We just need to be very, very careful. And again, this, to me, is the value of having an old woman teach because we've learned from experience that if you don't pray about it and sense God's direction, then you, you need to probably say no. So there's always a sense of God's peace and leading when you're discerning the will of God. You've got to have that. Isaiah thirty twenty one, and you will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. And there's a time, if you have to make pros and cons and making a decision about where to accept a job, where to move, what to be involved in, what to commit yourself to, whatever it might be. And, well, this is the next one, I think. Uh, when in doubt, don't. This is a great one. This is from Oswald Chambers. If you're making pros and cons and you can't decide and you're trying to see which one outweighs the other, it's probably not the will of God. If you're not sure what you should do, then don't. Because you need to sense God's peace and leading when you accept something. There's just, there's just a subtleness. Yes, this is, this is what I need to do. And there have been times... I've been praying, God, what do you want me to do? And and it's probably, this is the times I don't want to do something. And Lord, what do you want me to do? And I'm I'm getting ready to tell the person no. And I'm still not, I don't have his peace. And so then I have to go back and sometimes I have to say yes. And and so it, it works that way. And I love this. To know the will of God, you should have no will of your own. Uh, I think I've mentioned this, I might have mentioned this before, but this when in doubt, don't works when you're buying clothes. I, there have been times 
I have found something that's really a good buy. It's on sale, and I'll look at it, and I think, oh, this is so good, and I'll go try it on, and I'll look at it, and I think, oh, I don't know. Maybe it's not quite the right color, but I think it would work. I can just put a scarf with it or something. And and so I've learned if I'm in doubt about anything, if there's doubt, don't do it. It may be the right thing ultimately, but not the right time maybe. But I've just, this has helped me so much over the years. If there's any doubt, I immediately say, okay, I'm, I'm going to wait. I'm not going to do this. And when God checks, obey. Uh, there, sometimes you're not sure what you haven't received much guidance. And so you just sort of, so this is what I say. God, I'm not sure what you, exactly you want me to do, but I'm going to head in this direction And if this is not from you, please check me. Please close the door is what we say a lot of times. Just let me know if I'm going in the wrong direction. A couple of years ago, I was asked by the Open Door Fellowship in L.A. I think it was two or three years ago. They were having their 100th celebration. And... They would like. They wanted me to come and speak to the women for their hundredth celebration, and they asked me a year ahead, and it was in May. And I, I was honored to be asked, and I thought that would be great. And so, but but I prayed about it. So God, I mean, my whole month of May was clear. I think for that year. And so I prayed about it, but I did not have any peace. So I kept praying about it, and I still didn't have any, like, it's okay. I didn't, I couldn't do that. And so I prayed and prayed, and um, finally, I felt like I needed to let this woman know. And I said, I so appreciate your asking me to come speak. Uh, but for some reason, I do not feel like God's giving me permission to do so right now. I, I don't understand what he's doing, but I just feel like I cannot accept. So about three months later, it was in January the next year, our granddaughter got engaged. And they set the date for May 24th which was the date that I was supposed to be at the Open Door Fellowship. Now, God knew that ahead. And I would have, it would have been awful for me just like three or four months before for me to cancel. But I couldn't cancel my granddaughter's wedding. And so that's just a perfect example that even though we don't understand sometimes why God checks or why he, we don't have his peace, he knows. And we just need to trust him. So this is a... You can't see it very well. You can see I'm shrinking. <laughs> 
But this is our granddaughter, and I wouldn't have missed it for the world. And it's just such a precious example of how God leads and he knows what is best for us. And again, it can only happen when, when we're yoked to him, when we're in communion with him and sensing what he's saying to us. I just want to close by uh, letting you know, I was born in Houston, Texas, lived all my life in Texas until we moved to Tucson in Arizona 41 years ago. Uh, it's amazing. We've lived in Tucson 41 years, but if, when anyone asks us where we're from, we always say Texas. Um, the Lord led us to move to Tucson. And, and the amazing thing is, everywhere I go and people find out I'm from Tucson, they immediately, this is, I've had this so many times in my life. Oh, my goodness. How can you stand it? It's so hot there. And, and so for a while, I, I, uh, I got defensive about it. And I tried to explain to them that um, we have low humidity, and it may be 108, but we have 4% humidity. I grew up in Houston where it could be 98 degrees and 98% humidity. And I'm much hotter in Houston than I would ever be in Tucson. But people don't understand that. They see the temperature. I, I like now sometimes they put... Um, the temperature, and then uh, f feels like, yeah, I like that. Our temperature is always, whatever it is, that's what it is. Anyway, it is hot. But I, I, I'll be honest, the hottest I've ever been in my life was in Virginia Beach, Virginia. It was 100 degrees and 100% humidity. You could not breathe. So anyway, but that's all right. It's, they see 110 and 112, and they think, anyway. But I tried to explain that, and it didn't, com didn't connect. And so then after a while, I, I, I got kind of angry, and people would ask me that. And, and I didn't really say this. And as I said, I'm not kind. I didn't really come across this way, but my thought was, well, then just don't ever come. <laughs> You're not going to like it. I didn't really say that, but I wasn't real kind, probably, in talking to them. So, finally, finally, this is what I say. When anyone says, how in the world can you stand Tucson? I'll say this. You know what? It is hot in Tucson. But it just happens to be where the Lord Jesus Christ wants us to live. And we could live in the nicest place in the world. And if it's not where God wants us to live, we are not going to be content. You can ask Jonah about that. <laughs> and so I just tell this story because this is where God has chosen for Jack and me to live is Tucson. I don't know if we'll stay there forever. I have no idea. But where, let, I mean, what I want to leave you with, to be like Jesus, let God choose for you. Choose what you do. Choose where you go. Choose where you live. 
because he can, his whole purpose is, is he loves us and he wants to lead and guide us and do what he wants to do in our life to make us like Jesus. So I, I do have um, uh, Jim Elliott. God always gives his best to those who leave the choice with him. Amen. Amen to that. And, and that's what we need to let God do. Because do what he does best, which is to conform us to the image of Christ. And it's always good. So, you all, this is, this is Tucson. We have awesome mountains all around Tucson. It's beautiful. And we have the best sunsets in the world. This is just 50 feet from where we live. I took it at the end of our corner right there. It's a beautiful place. I am thankful we live in Tucson. I don't like cold. Anyway, so. God gives the best. He gives the best. He gives us his son. He gives us his Holy Spirit. He wants us to be like him. I can't imagine anything, any greater aspiration than to be like Jesus. And the greatest ministry that we all have is to be Jesus to everyone we meet. It's an awesome, awesome purpose in life. As we live in God, which is like, I think, being yoked in him, yoked with him, Our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Those who say they live in God should live as Jesus did. Let's pray. Lord, again, we just want to take a couple of minutes and ask you to speak to our hearts. We've heard a lot today and last night. And uh, help us sift through some of the thoughts and scriptures. And Lord, just pinpoint in our life, in our hearts, what you've been trying to communicate to us over this time. We ask this in Jesus' name. Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God will make this happen for he who calls you is faithful. Thank you, Father. Thank you for being in our midst. Thank you for teaching us, for loving us. And for calling us your children, Lord. I pray we would honor you as we pursue you, Lord, and grow closer to you and more like your son. Thank you, thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen.